Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug, where we are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, thinking through God's Word together. Good morning, Sherry, and for the rest of you that are with us, we are glad that you are here. We are studying the prophet Isaiah, and the more I think about this, the more I realize this could be a <laughs> pretty long, long study, but I hope it'll be profitable for you and uh, that you'll enjoy the time. Feel free to uh, put questions in the comments. I look at those after the fact, and if you're join, joining us here live, feel free to interact in the chat. Love to see that. Uh, in fact, before we uh, launch into what I want to cover today, I do want to go back and look at a comment that uh, someone made yesterday. Let me uh, see if I can pull that up for you. Uh, this is Dale. Yep, you got it there. So Dale said uh, two questions. Uh, in Regarding Solomon's wives, while polygamy was allowed and sometimes required, didn't Deuteronomy 17, 16 to 17 forbid the king specifically from having the women and wealth Solomon did? Uh, so I made the comment yesterday, uh, kind of in passing, that uh, that polygamy was not illegal in the old covenant. Um, it was, it was, uh, part of, how should I say this? It was it, the, the terms for how a man was to treat multiple wives was in the covenant. Uh, it was not ever regarded as uh, a violation of God's law, that kind of thing. And as I made that comment, Dale brought this up and it's, a, it's an astute observation. Uh, again, let me pull up Deuteronomy 17, 16, which is what he mentioned, and just show you. Uh, here's what uh, God said about the kings. Uh, let me back up just a little bit. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you and possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your own countrymen you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away. Nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. So yes, the king was not to multiply wives, but notice the, the rationale. Not because polygamy itself was a violation, but the concern from the very beginning that God laid out was his heart will turn away, which is exactly what happened with Solomon as we looked at yesterday. Uh, then uh, Dale has a second question here, and uh, he says, and could the one tribe just be Benjamin and kind of assume Rehoboam automatically has his own? Uh, I don't know, Dale, if you're with us this morning. I'm not entirely sure what you're asking here. So we talked yesterday about uh, the 10 tribes were given to the northern kingdom, to Jeroboam, and that Judah is the tribe that is left to the southern kingdom, to the successors of David and Solomon and so on. And then I made the point that Benjamin is kind of thrown in alongside Judah, although he doesn't get talked about much. So I'm not entirely sure what you're asking. So you may have to clarify that question for me. Uh, if you search through the Old Testament, and especially the prophets, uh, Kings Chronicles, you'll see Judah and Benjamin are often mentioned together. So I think 
the ten tribes went to the northern kingdom. Judah and Benjamin went to the southern kingdom. Um, and they were both given to Rehoboam and his successors. So if I'm following you, um, I'm not, well, I guess I'm not quite following your question. Anyway, that's, uh, I wanted to respond to, uh, to Dale's question there. It was good. And I like the fact that he's arguing from the scripture saying, okay, we talked about this. Here's what this text says. How do we, how do we bring those two together? Which is the way we should do it instead of being too caught up in systematic theology. Okay. So I want to get back to um, our foundation for Isaiah, and yesterday we made the point that you have to know a few things about the history of Israel to really understand the prophets. And I want to I want to review that for you just to make sure this is clear in your head because this is a significant uh, key to interpreting the uh, the prophets. So let me uh, let me pull up uh, the map that I showed you yesterday, and remember we we talked about. Can you guys see the cursor? Give me a quick yes or no. Can you see my cursor? Right now I'm up here on the green and then I put it down here on the red. Uh, let me know if you can see that cursor. Uh, so when God took the kingdom from Solomon because of his uh, the, the polygamous relationships that introduced great idolatry to Israel, in judgment, uh, thanks Janice for saying yes. You can see the uh, cursor. In judgment, um, he he gave the ten tribes up here to Israel. So when you see in the prophets, when you see it uh, that it describes them as uh, speaking to the to Israel or Ephraim, which is another name that uh, the prophets use for Israel, it's the northern kingdom. So it's the ten tribes up here. When you see that the prophet speaks to Judah or Jerusalem, it's the southern kingdom. Uh, that's what we have, for instance, here in Isaiah. Whoops, let me get back to, uh, to Isaiah here. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So we know that at least this first oracle here is to... Uh, to the southern kingdom. He, he's, his, he's a prophet here to the, the tribe Judah down here in the southern kingdom. And if you remember, we looked at how the uh, exile came to both kingdoms, but at different times. Assyria exiled the northern kingdom in 722 BC. So Assyria came down and finally was uh, the instrument of God's judgment on the northern kingdom in 722, and then in 586, Babylon finished their job of conquering the southern kingdom and led Jerusalem into exile, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple. That happened in 586 BC. A couple other things that you want to observe as you interpret the prophets. Uh, you want to ask the question, is this prophet speaking before exile or after exile? Uh, if you read commentaries and things, you'll you'll see pre-exilic or post-exilic uh, because it matters, right? As the prophet is speaking, is he warning of the coming destruction in the northern kingdom in 722, the southern kingdom in 586? Is he, is he warning of that destruction or has that exile already taken place? And now he's speaking about the return to the land in Jerusalem or something 
in the distant future. So that helps uh, put everything in its proper context. Is he speaking to the northern or southern kingdom? We talked about that. Who was the king? Uh, that helps us uh, because we can go back then to the books of Kings and Chronicles and see what was happening in the, uh, in the nation at the time, whether it's the north or the south. And then we want to ask the question, does the New Testament give the fulfillment? So whenever you see cross-references to the New Testament and see how the New Testament authors say this fulfilled what the prophet said, that helps us uh, understand what the prophet was speaking of. So uh, when we get to Isaiah, we see that Isaiah was prophesying, as he says here, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So these four kings of Judah, southern kingdom, were reigning during Isaiah's ministry, or put it the other way, Isaiah's ministry, his, his prophetic ministry was during the reigns of these kings. So this is a really long period of time. Uh, the, the, there we go. Uzziah died around 740 BC. And when we get to Isaiah chapter 6, you may, re, may recall that famous passage. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, that's when Isaiah received that vision. He saw the Lord seated on his throne and the seraphim and all that. This is the year Uzziah died. That was around 740 BC. Okay, So he's prophesying to the southern kingdom during the reign of Uzziah, 740. So notice this is even before the exile of the northern kingdom. So both kingdoms are intact when Isaiah is first called to his prophetic ministry. So Uzziah died around 740. Jotham reigned 740 to 732. Ahaz reigned from 732 to 716. And Hezekiah reigned 760, uh, 716 to 687. So from around 740 to 687 BC, that's over 50 years. That's a long prophetic ministry that Isaiah had. And he's prophesying down here in the southern kingdom through this whole thing. So remember, as I have noted here, for those of you watching, for those of you listening, I'll repeat it for you. If the southern kingdom fell in 586 BC and Hezekiah reign ended around 687, Isaiah is receiving his prophetic ministry, his visions, almost a hundred years before the fall of Jerusalem. So he is warning them, prophesying these things, speaking of what's coming upon Israel, upon Judah, a hundred plus years, 150 years before God brings his full and final judgment down upon the southern kingdom. So that gives us some information that, that helps us understand what was happening uh, and what Isaiah is, is revealing to them. So the other thing I want to do this morning, actually a couple things, uh, I want to go ahead and look at uh, some of the descriptions in 2 Kings and Chronicles about what was happening during the reigns of these kings. I said yesterday I wasn't going to do that, but I decided, no, we need to do that. We don't, we're not pressed for time. We got all the time in the world here. It's not like a sermon series where I 
uh, feel rushed. <laughs> I shouldn't feel rushed in sermon series anyway. But I want to go back and look at uh, the Old Testament history, which will set some of the foundation for what we're going to see in Isaiah. So uh, 2 Kings 15 is where we get some of this information. And let me just read some of this to you. Uh, in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, so king of Israel, that's the northern kingdom, Jeroboam's the king there up in the north. Azariah, son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Only the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So we will see references to the high places in Isaiah. We'll see the idolatry they were committing. Here, this king, he brought Israel or brought Judah back to worshiping Yahweh, but they did so at the settings where previous generations were worshiping idols. That matters, right? Uh, that matters. So the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house while Jotham, the king's son, was over the household judging the people of the land. So we he see here, back here, Isaiah had his ministry during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Here we, talk, we see that Jotham is described reigning. The rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Azariah slept with his fathers. They buried him with his fathers in the city of David, and Jotham, his son, became king in his place. So what's happening during Jotham's reign is part of what Isaiah is dealing with. In the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in Samaria for six months. This is one of the things we see back and forth in the in Kings. You see Israel, Judah. Israel is Judah. They, we keep getting glimpses of what's happening in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, so now Zechariah is king in Samaria. Samaria is the king of the northern kingdom. The king, uh, king the uh, capital, did I just say that? Samaria is the capital of Israel, the northern kingdom. So when you read Samaria, and we'll see this in Isaiah 7, when you see, talk about Samaria, that's this, the capital city of the northern kingdom. Zechariah did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which uh, he made Israel sin. Then Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck him before the people and killed him and reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Zechariah... Behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. And uh, by the way, this King Zechariah is not the same as the prophet Zechariah, who wrote a book that's in our Old Testament. This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Jehu, saying, Your sons to the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. And so it was. That would be interesting to go back and read uh, when God said that earlier. Shalom, son of Jabesh, became king in the 39th month of Uzziah, king of Judah. And he reigned one month in Samaria. Again, we see this. So Shalom is reigning in the 39th year of Uzziah. Uzziah, king of Judah. Shalom is reigning in Samaria in the northern kingdom, Israel. Uh, okay, then we read some more here. I'm going to skip some of this. 
Okay. So in the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Monahem, son of God, he became king over Israel, reigned 10 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all his days from the sins of Jeroboam. Now, this sets some of the, uh, the background for what's happening in the uh, southern kingdom. Pul, king of Assyria, came against the land. So that's important because some of what we're going to see in Isaiah is in the context of Assyria coming against first the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom. Okay, so you've got the northern kingdom doing its thing, and the southern kingdom doing its thing, and they're they're uh, they're having some good years and some bad years, some good periods of time and bad periods of time, largely based on whether their kings are leading them into idolatry or not. Then Assyria comes and they they, they extend their empire. They start conquering lands and they come against the northern kingdom. And remember, we saw in 722 they eventually exiled Assyria, uh, the northern kingdom. They, they eventually conquered Samaria and the northern lands. And then they came against the southern lands, and, and Judah was able to hold their own against them for a while. This matters. This is, it's kind of like what we see going on today, you know, with Russia entering into Ukraine and, and, and before that, Crimea and some of that, we, uh, Crimea, and, and, and we think, are they going to take over uh, Moldova and some of the other areas around Ukraine? They're, they're trying to expand into those lands kind of thing. Well, that's what Assyria was doing. And so Judah, when we look at Isaiah and his prophecies uh, toward Judah, uh, it, it's in the context of Assyria coming against them. And that'll be important to see the background here. Uh, so Pul, the king of Assyria, came against the land, and Menahem put, uh, gave Pul a thousand talents of silver so that his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom under his rule. So the, the king of, uh, of Israel is giving money to Assyria to back off. Then Menahem exacted the money from Israel, even from all the mighty men of wealth, from each man 50 shekels of silver to pay the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria returned and did not remain there in the land. So Israel was able to hold off Assyria by giving them money and so on. So we see, uh, let's see, do we want to read any more of this? Uh, Pekka, we'll come back and look at this when we get to Isaiah 7 because it uh, plays into it. So now I want to skip over to 2 Chronicles and, uh, and look at some of the background here. So this is 2 Chronicles 26. All the people of Judah took Uzziah who was 16 years old and made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. So Uzziah became king when he was just 16. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So Uzziah was by and large a good king, a faithful king, pleasing the Lord. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, we just read about him, the king in the north, who had understanding through the vision of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. See this? So as long as Uzziah was seeking the Lord and, and obeying the Lord, then God blessed him. Now he went out and warred against the Philistines. He broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities in the areas of Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gurbaal and the Mayunites. So the thing to draw here is, here Uzziah is leading Judah into prosperity. 
He's obeying the Lord and he's having victory over his enemies and he's building up cities. So they're prospering. They're growing. The economy is booming. It's a thriving time under Uzziah's reign because God is helping him because he's being faithful. The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah. So uh, Judah is collecting money from from these other uh, lands, the Ammonites, and his fame extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. So again, you see the prosperity uh, and the, the thriving of Judah. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the corner buttress and fortified them. He built towers in the wilderness and hewed many cisterns for which he had much livestock, both in the lowland and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and the fertile fields, for he loved the soil. So again, we get some insight into this king. He, uh, he knows something about construction and building, and he understands the importance of irrigation and getting water to, uh, to water the crops, and the crops are thriving, and he loved the soil. So under Uzziah, as he seeks the Lord, Judah is prosperous. They're, they're overcoming their enemies. Uh, they're wealthy. It's a good time to be in Judah as Uzziah is their king. That matters because when we again when we get to chapter six and it says in the in the day in the in the year that Uzziah died, you can understand that it would have been a, a sad time because this was a good king who had led them into great prosperity. And the question is, what's going to happen next, right? So that's some of what we see during this time. Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle, which entered combat by divisions according to the number of their muster, prepared for Ajel, the scribe, and Maesiah, the official under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers. The total number of the heads of the households of valiant warriors was 2,600. Under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 who could wage war with great power to help king, the king against the enemy. Moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purposes of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Same thing. So you've got a thriving economy, prosperity, uh, good infrastructure, and a strong military. Judah is a, is a very, very strong nation under King Uzziah. But, but, you could almost hear that coming, couldn't you? But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. And he was unfaithful to Yahweh, his God. Why? For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So what happened here is Uzziah is relishing all of this prosperity. He is he's he got too big for his britches. And he decided that not only was he a great king, but he could be a priest. God had set very clear distinctions between kings and priests, and kings were not permitted to offer sacrifices in the temple. That was the arena of the priest. But Uzziah became proud, and here was his great failure. 
Then Azariah the priest entered after him, and with him eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men. They opposed Uzziah the king and said, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priests, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. You see what happened here? Uzziah disobeys the Lord. He goes in to offer incense and God strikes him with leprosy. Now he's unclean. Leprosy in the old covenant made one unclean. They weren't allowed to worship with the people and be near the people. Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead, and they hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out, because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So we see here in the setting of, of Isaiah's prophecy, this great king, but then his fall. He's being struck with leprosy, and he had to be cut off from the people for the last of his days. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amoz, has written. We'll see some of that. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave which belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. And Jotham his son became king in his place. Jotham was 25 years old, and he became king. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jerushah, the daughter of Zadok. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done. However, he did not enter the temple of the Lord, but the people continued acting corruptly. So Jotham was good. The people were not. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. He built extensively the wall of Ophel. Moreover, he built cities in the hill country of Judah, and he built fortresses and towers in the wooded hills. He fought also with the king of the Ammonites and prevailed over them, so that the Ammonites gave him during that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, and 10,000 of barley. The Ammonites also paid him this amount in the second and third year. So Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. Same thing as Uzziah. He obeyed the Lord. The Lord prospered him. And Judah grew stronger and stronger under his reign. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham, even all his wars, his acts, behold, they are written in the book of kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Jotham slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Ahaz, his son, became king in his place. We will see that Ahaz figures prominently in Isaiah chapter 7 and beyond. And Ahaz was not a good king. As we see here, he was 20 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do right in the sight of the Lord as David, his father, had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Isn't that interesting? Here, this king of the southern kingdom, Judah, is being compared to the ways of the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom. As you read through Kings and Chronicles, you see that most of the kings of the north were wicked men 
leading Israel into more and more wickedness and idolatry, which is why they were defeated so soon compared to the southern kingdom. So here Ahaz is compared to the kings of Israel. He also, speaking now of Ahaz, made molten images for the Baals. So here's a king of Judah on the throne of David, a descendant of David, leading Judah into worship of the Baals. Moreover, he burned incense in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and burned his sons in fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel. This is the king of Judah, again, the son of David, offering his children to God's false gods. He sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. Wherefore, the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Aram, let me, uh, let me pull up that map again. Oops, that's the wrong, wrong one. Let me go back. So Aram, you see, is up here. Aram is, the, uh, is not Israel. See, it's not green. Dam- uh, Damascus is the, king, the capital of Aram, as Samaria is the capital of Israel. We will see in chapter 7, Ahaz has to deal with Aram and Israel teaming up together. Uh, Damascus and uh, Samaria teaming up together to come against Judah. We'll, we'll see that when we get there. And that's uh, what's being referred to here. The Lord delivered Ahaz into the hand of the king of Aram, uh, the Aramites up near Israel. And they defeated him and carried away from him a great number of captives and brought them to Damascus, again, the capital of Aram. And he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who inflicted him with heavy casualties. So you see, again, both those northern nations, the northern kingdom, Israel and Aram, uh, striking blows to Ahaz in Judah. For Pekah, the son of Ramalia, slew in Judah 120,000 in one day, all valiant men, because they had forsaken the Lord God of the fathers. And Zikri, a mighty man of Ephraim, slew Messiah, the king of, king's son, and Azrikam, the ruler of the house, and Elkanah, the second of the king. The sons of Israel carried away captive of their brethren 200,000 women, sons, and daughters, and they took also a great deal of spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded. This is not someone who wrote an an Old Testament book, but he's a prophet of the Lord. And he went out to meet the army, which came to Samaria, and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand, and you have slain them in a rage, which has even reached heaven. So this prophet is saying to Samaria, the capital of Israel, the reason you were able to conquer so many in Judah is because God was angry at them. Don't get too big for your britches, Israel. Now you are proposing to subjugate for yourselves the people of Judah and Jerusalem for male and female slaves. Surely you do not have transgressions of your own against the Lord your God, do you? Of course they did. Now, therefore, listen to me and return the captives whom you captured from your brothers for the burning anger of the Lord is against you. So the prophet comes and says, you were allowed to conquer Judah because God was angry with them, 
but don't keep them as slaves. You are wicked and God will destroy you, Israel, if you don't return the slaves back to Judah. And, and so on it goes. So we'll come back to some of this when we get to uh, that section in Isaiah. And wow, I see our time has already fled from us. Let me see. Uh, Air of Mercy has a statement here. Good morning. Back to the 12 tribes. Watched the first session last night. Wasn't Simeon in the middle of Judah? Wouldn't have been included as Judah as part of the southern kingdom when they split. Uh, yeah, so this all gets very, very interesting when we start uh, looking at how the the scripture divides up the land. For instance, you've got the, the tribe of Levi, which was given a portion, but they weren't allotted an inheritance in the same way the others. Remember the Lord said, I am their inheritance because they got to minister as priests before the temple. And then Joseph's sons, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, his portion is divided among the two. And then you see later on when there are distributions, you see the book of Revelation, when it talks about the 12 tribes. It's fascinating to try to keep track of all of this. Uh, and we can get very, uh, if we get too detailed, we sort of miss the point. So uh, what we see pretty clearly is that the 10 tribes, uh, remember the, the imagery of, of the prophet goes out to Jeroboam and says, here, take 10 strips from my cloak and the 10 tribes are going to be given to you and the rest are going to be left with Solomon's uh, successor. So, uh, so yeah, there's some of those details that are... Uh, not entirely, uh, the, the, there's a bigger point, and, and the terminology is the 10 tribes are in the north, and Judah is the, the tribe in the south, and then some of the other details are not really discussed uh, so carefully as we go. So yeah, good observation. Good, good, good question. All right, folks, our, uh, our time is up. Um, so we're going to do one more thing tomorrow um, before we actually get into the text. And then uh, probably we will actually dive into chapter one. Again, if you want to, if you want to jump ahead, if you want to kind of get ahead of the game here, um, read in First Peter chapter one. This is, I tended to get here today, but we ran out of time. Read in First Peter chapter one what Peter says about the prophets. Okay, and then compare that with. The idea that we see here in Isaiah 1, let me just pull it up quickly, the vision that Isaiah saw, he saw this during the reigns of Hezekiah. So, so put together uh, the timing of Isaiah's visions. He's seeing visions before Jerusalem falls. Compare that with what Peter says about the uh, the prophets, and give some thought to the fact that these are visions that the prophets see. Again, uh, put it this way: Isaiah did not sit down and write his book of Isaiah. Now that's how we read it. That's how we have it. But that's not what happened. He sees visions before the fall. Compare what First Peter has to say, First Peter chapter 1, about the prophets and see if you can find some interesting things about this. We'll come back tomorrow and talk about it. Have a great day. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. And uh, we will continue on, Lord willing, tomorrow.